Good morning, it's good to see you. My name is Kelvin Walker and I bring you greetings from the Metropolitan District of the Christian Missionary Alliance. And it is good to be home this morning. Good to be home with you. Good to be here this Thanksgiving weekend. And this Thanksgiving weekend, we're gonna talk about praise. We're gonna look at the life of Paul, a uh, piece of a uh, uh, part of the life of Paul and Silas. And we're looking at Acts chapter 16, and the title of the message is Night Tunes. Night Tunes. Before we look into the word, let's pray. Father, thank you. You are a good God. You are a gracious and loving God. We join with Jeremiah in saying today the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Lord, today as we look into your word, would you open our eyes that we would see? Would you open our ears that we would hear? Would you open our hearts that we would receive? And then, Lord, would the actions that flow out of what you've said bring glory and honor to your name? Anoint this time, anoint this service, may your word penetrate the hearts of these people in this moment in time in the history of their lives. And we give you the praise and honor and glory. For it's in Jesus' name that we ask it. Amen. Amen. A couple of months ago, I was on my way to Pittsburgh for the men's retreat. I was a part of the men's retreat here. And um, as I was driving, my wife texted me. And um, I, just so you know, I waited until I went to the rest stop before I looked at the text. I know, you know, look at me like, uh, she texted you. How did you know she texted you? I saw it when I stopped, okay? <laughs> so I got a text from my wife, and it was a song. And she said, I heard this song, thought of you love you, and let me give you the context behind it. Several weeks before, uh, it seemed like life was just pressing in. All kinds of things were happening, going through, uh, kids were going through some things. Uh, I felt like there were so many things at, at the church when I was serving that I needed to address and get in order, and the possible, you know, the pending, uh, the, the switch of positions, all those things were happening. I wanted to make sure that, that if that happened, I left the church in a good place. All of these things were coming in, and it felt like um, uh, things were happening even in the area of finances, just a lot of pressure. And I didn't do what I normally do. Uh, I found myself doing something that I wouldn't normally do, and that is I found myself complaining. We all like to say we don't normally complain, right? Yeah, I'm not a complainer, but, <laughs> and I was complaining, and my wife was graciously listening to my complaints, and then as I was traveling to the retreat, she sent me the text with this song, and it was Brooklyn Tabernacle singing it, but it was a Tremaine Hawkins song, and I'm a Tremaine Hawkins fan, and so uh, I listened to the song, and these are the lyrics that, up to that song. I've lost some good friends along life's way, some loved ones departed in heaven to stay, but thank God I didn't lose everything. I've lost faith in people who said they cared in time of my crisis, they were never there, but in my disappointment, in my season of pain, one thing never wavered, one thing never changed. And the second verse is what got me. I've let some blessings slip away when I lost my focus and went astray. But thank God I didn't lose everything. I lost possessions that were so dear. I lost some battles walking in fear. But in the midst of my struggles, in my seasons of pain, one thing never wavered. One thing never changed. And here's the chorus. I never lost my hope. 
I never lost my joy. I never lost my faith. But most of all, I never lost my praise. Now, my wife sent that to me as an encouragement to lift my soul. But she didn't realize God was using that to convict me and say, you've gotten so focused on your present reality that you missed the sight that I am present with you in the midst of your reality. You've gotten so focused on what is before you that it has become a prison around you and you've lost sight of the hope and the joy and the faith that comes when you know me. So, Kelvin, I'm calling you to praise me. Praise me in the midst of it. Praise me while you're still going through. Don't lose sight of your praise. Here's what God was speaking to me in the midst of that, and I offer it to you this morning. Praise has the power to restore our souls even in the midst of the tough situations we face in life because praise invites us to take our focus off of who we are and put our focus back on who God is. Praise invites us to take our focus off of who we are and put our focus back on who God is. The NIV Study Bible has this definition of praise. Praise is the joyful thanking and adoring of God, the celebration of his goodness and his grace. The joyful thanking and adoring of God, the celebration of his goodness and grace. I love that definition, but I think I've come across uh, a, a Lutheran theologian who takes it a little further, and he lays out the difference between praise and what we know as thanksgiving. And I say what we know because what we call thanksgiving is not really what the Bible calls thanksgiving. Let me read it and then explain it to you. Praise lies upon a higher plane than thanksgiving. When I give thanks, my thoughts still circle around myself to some extent. But in praise, my soul ascends to self-forgetting adoration, seeing and praising only the majesty and power of God and his grace and his redemption. Oh, well, now, wait a minute. Doesn't the Bible call us to give thanks? Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his love endures forever. And we are going to look at a psalm that later, uh, we're going to look at a psalm that actually talks about that. Yes, the Bible does call us to give thanks. But the thanks the Bible talks about is more about praise. The thanks we talk about is more about ourselves. Just think about it. We had Thanksgiving this week. What do we normally do? We sit around and we try and encourage everyone to talk about what you're thankful for. And what do we say? I'm thankful for my health. I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for the roof that's over my head. I'm thankful for my job. I'm thankful for my provision. And here's the key word, my, 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 my. What this theologian is saying is even thanks as we know it, focuses on us. But true praise takes the thought off of us and directs it to God. It is about God. It's for God. It describes God. It's focused on God. And it's not about us. And what he's saying is in the midst of all that you're going through, 
Praise graciously reminds us that God is good even when our circumstances are not. Praise graciously reminds us that God is good even when our circumstances are not. Now, let me give a qualifier here. It doesn't say that praise pretends our circumstances are not good. It doesn't say praise ignores our circumstances. Whatever it is that you're walking through is a present reality. It is real. But praise does this. In the midst of the reality that I'm walking through, I have a chance to get my focus off of this and put it on God and be reminded of who he is. And be reminded of who he is. Praise gives me the opportunity to choose in the midst of the reality that I'm walking through, to choose to remember that God is good, even if my circumstances are not. And so we find ourselves in our text today, Acts chapter 16. It's about Paul and Silas. They are in this region of Asia Minor where they find themselves in a place called Philippi. They come across a woman named Lydia. Lydia is well, along with people who are down uh, uh, by the river and they're praying. And Lydia is a, a, a believer uh, as far as, as kind of understanding there is a God. And Paul and Silas have the opportunity to enter to introduce her to this God that she is wanting to understand. And she comes to faith in Christ, and she takes them back to her house, and they spend a few days with her, and she uh, shows them uh, kindness and hospitality. And then they continue their journey throughout Philippi. And as they're going on this journey, there's a girl who comes behind them, and this girl is saying, notice these men. These men, are, they serve the Most High God, and they're speaking about salvation. They're speaking about the truth of who God is. It's this speaking about Jesus. Now, she's saying the truth, but it's coming from a place from an evil spirit. She was, uh, she was uh, someone who was caught up in what they call divination. She was getting information, but not from the spirit of God. And there were those who uh, owned her who were benefiting from her false prophecy. And they were making money off of her. And Paul, in his ever-gracious way, after a few days, just turns around and says to the spirit, come out of her, leave her alone. And the girl is set free. Now, when she's set free, it dries up the resources of the people who have owned her. And you know the truth is this. If you really want to see someone's character, start messing with the money. You really want to know what someone's all about? Get in their pocketbook. They can be sweet one minute, you start touching that dollar, the truth of who they are comes out. The truth of who these people were came out, and they were upset. So they go to the magistrate, and they come up with this story that says Paul and Silas are causing a disruption. They are being rude. They're causing a ruckus, and you need to do something about this. So Paul and Silas find themselves in the center of town, stripped down, clothes taken off of their backs, and they are publicly flogged and then thrown in jail. And it's in jail about midnight that a praise service takes place and God shows up. And as I look at this text, 
There's some things about praise that we can learn. Let me read it for you. Acts chapter 16, beginning at verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was wondering about what uh, was about to kill himself, supposing the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in and trembling with fear, he fell before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of God to him and all who were in the house. And he took them, he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them to his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. Now I've read this account. And I thought about the fact that praise graciously reminds us that God is good even when our circumstances are not. And the question comes to mind, if that is true, then how? How does praise remind us that God is good even when our circumstances are not? But I just submit to you this morning that praise is able to do that. We see that from the text because from our text we discover that praise is celebrating Praise is stimulating, praise is motivating, and praise is communicating. Let me say that again. Praise is celebrating, praise is stimulating, praise is motivating, and praise is communicating. First of all, we are able to remember that God is good even when our circumstances are not when we praise him because through praise we celebrate the magnificent character of God. Through praise, we celebrate the magnificent character of God. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Now, there are some who see this text, and immediately they grab that phrase, singing hymns to God, and they all of a sudden decide, see, this is proof. We're only supposed to sing hymns in church. If this is what you do with this text, don't do it anymore. That's called proof texting. That's not what they're doing here. They're giving us insight into the types of songs that Paul and Silas were singing. They were singing the songs that would have been sung at the Passover time, called the Halal songs, the Pascal Psalms, Psalms 113 to Psalm 118, and Psalm 136. They're psalms that celebrate the nature and the character and the acts of God. They're psalms that remind us of who God is. There were psalms that would have reminded the Israelites of the work of God in their lives during the Passover. Psalm 113 praises God for being so incredibly great while at the same time being concerned about helping lowly humans. Let the name of the Lord be praised both now and forevermore. Psalm 114 praises God for rescuing the Israelites from the hands of the Egyptians and providing water from a rock for their thirst. Tremble, O earth, at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob, who turns the rock into a pool of water, the flint into a spring of water. Psalm 115, praise God for being, for, for being the true God and declaring that his salvation comes only from him. His li uh, he is the living God. Salvation is only found in him. Not to us, O Lord, not to us. 
but to your name give glory. Psalm 116 praises God because he can step into our most desperate situations and deliver us from them. I love the Lord for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy. Psalm 117 praises God because his salvation flows to the people and to the nations of the world. His love is great and his faithfulness is forever. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol him, all you peoples, for great is his love toward us and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Psalm 118 praises God for the salvation that comes to us through the Messiah, Jesus himself. It's a prophetic psalm of salvation through Christ. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. And my favorite psalm of those psalms that they would have been singing, Psalm 136, talks about God's steadfast love enduring forever. It's that psalm where the refrain over and over again, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him alone who does great wonders, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him by understanding made the heavens, his steadfast love endures forever. To him who spread out the earth above the waters, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who made the great lights, for his steadfast love endures forever. The sun to rule over the day, for his steadfast love endures forever. The moon and the stars to rule over the night, for his steadfast love endures forever. And this would go on and on and on. And they would talk about how God delivered them from the hands of the Egyptians. And every time they talked about what God did, they had this refrain that said, for his steadfast love endures forever. And you might be thinking, Kelvin, why are you yelling this? Because I'm trying to show you that as they said it, it just built, and it built, and it built. Now, remember, they're in jail. They weren't just in any jail. They were put in the inner courts. And when you were put in the inner chamber of that jail, your feet were shackled. Your hands were shackled. They were either shackled behind you or in front of you, or if they really wanted to be cruel, they were shackled like this so you couldn't put your hands down. And the reason why you wouldn't be able to put your hands down is because the next person next to you would be very close to you, and their hands would be like this. You couldn't move to the left or to the right. You had someone in front of you, so your face was up against someone else's back. You had someone in back of you, so their face was up against your back. You couldn't kneel. You barely could stand. This is what you would do with your hands. And in that setting, in that place of pain, in that jail, they're saying with a loud voice, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. They couldn't move to the left, but they're saying, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Maybe the spirit of God was coming upon them and they wanted to bow down. They couldn't bow down, but with a loud voice, they're saying, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And the word for thanks there is the word yada. It's a form of praise where they were supposed to either be thrusting their arms out or thrusting their hands up and thrusting their arms forward. They were so tied together, they couldn't do anything except this. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And it doesn't make sense that in their prison... That's what they would be doing. But with every word of praise, they were declaring 
the nature and the character of their God. And the wonderful thing, it says that everyone who was in the jail was listening. They're declaring God's praise. Their circumstances haven't changed. They were giving thanks to the Lord. Not they give thanks to the Lord for he has put us in prison. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Even though I am in prison. Friends, praise has the ability to lift us to a place where we can see God is good even in the midst of the situations we're in, even if those situations are not, because praise declares and celebrates the magnificent character of God. Second, through praise, we stimulate or activate, if you will, the manifest presence of God. We activate the manifest presence of God. It says, and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. But wait a minute. Isn't God omnipresent? Doesn't that mean he is everywhere at all times? What are you talking about manifest presence of God? God would have been there. They would have known God would have been there. God was there. But God wanted to show up. God was there, but he wanted them to know he was there. Let me see if I can illustrate it for you. My kids drive up to or walk up to the house, and the first thing they do is they look to see if my car is in our pocket, par parking spot. If my car is in the parking spot or at least in a guest spot near our house, they say, okay, dad's home. So they walk through the door, and they know I'm there in the house. They go about their business and they go about their conversations and they go about everything. And then all of a sudden I'll say, hey, how you doing? Oh, dad, you're here. <laughs> yeah, what are you talking about that you don't want me to know? <laughs> no. They already know I'm there. They've seen my car. It's in that spot. So they walk in with the knowledge that I'm there. But the minute I speak, they're aware of we settle so much for the knowledge that God is here that we don't long for him to show up and let us know that he's here. God is saying through this to us, I don't want you to settle for my omnipresence. I want you to encounter my manifest presence because when my manifest presence shows up, that's when I do my best work. We get so settled over here that we don't long for this. Friends, total aside here, but may you never stop craving the manifest presence of God. And when he shows up, say, Lord, I'm so thankful that you're here. We long for more. We long for more. Someone says it this way. Praise is the portal to the presence of God. Praise is the portal to the presence of God. And so God shook the foundations of the jail to let them know, you thought I was here? Let me show you I'm here. Celebrate the manifest, the manifest character of God. Simulate or activate the manifest presence of God. But third, through praise, we motivate the miraculous deliverance of God. We motivate the miraculous deliverance of God. And immediately, all the doors were open and everyone's bonds were unfastened. So I want you to picture this. Remember, they're bound by their feet, 
the hands are bound like this. Remember the thrusting motion that you make when you're giving this kind of praise. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. They're side by side. They're stuck together. Nobody can move. This is all they can do. They can't even do this. Give thanks to the God of gods. His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the King of kings. His and then all of a sudden, by accident, they hit the person next to them because their chains are broken. And they're able to step aside and walk around because their chains are broken. And when we read this and we think about Paul and Silas, we might think that it was just them because they were the ones who were giving praise. But everybody was set free. Here's an aside for us, friends. Don't look at your deliverance simply for you. When God does a delivering work in you, he also wants to do a delivering work through you for someone else. When we sing, my chains are gone, I've been set free, may it be that we're thinking, Lord, you set me free. Who else do you want to set free in this place? Who else do you want to deliver in this place? Who else do you want to break the chains for in this place? And how do you want to work in me and through me so that that happens for someone else? Deliverance is not just for you. Deliverance is for somebody else. When God shows up, he shows up with a delivering power. Someone said it this way. When we enter God's presence with praise, he will enter our circumstances with power. He will enter our circumstances with power. Celebrating the magnificent character of God, stimulating or activating the manifest presence of God, uh, uh, brings about the miraculous deliverance of God. But finally, through praise, we communicate the mighty salvation of God. We communicate the mighty salvation of God. Remember, every word that they were singing was about God's deliverance and God's salvation. Every word they were singing was a reminder of God's character. So every time they sang something about God's steadfast love enduring forever, they gave testimony to what God did in the life of Israel and how he saved them, and how he delivered them, and how he brought them through. And it was such a testimony that the guy said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? It stands out to me in this text that it doesn't say anything about Paul and Silas preaching in jail. It says they sang. It doesn't say anything about a three or four point sermon. It says they sang. It doesn't say anything about them opening up the scriptures and saying, let me sit down and open up this passage to you and explain what it means. It says they sang. We totally miss the power of praise to bring people to faith in Christ. How do I know that happens? I've seen it happen in this place. I remember the days when I, when I was here on staff where we would sing and we would worship and Pastor Rock would stand up and say, you know, I have a sermon that I prepared, but I don't think I need to preach it this morning. I believe God has already done the work. Is there anyone here who would like to come to faith in Christ? Hands would fly up all over this place and people would come to faith in Christ. Maybe you are one of those people in here today who came to faith in Christ on one of those mornings and you are still walking with the Lord. Do not underestimate the power of praise when it comes to the gospel being actively at work in someone's life. Let's wrap this up. We celebrate. We stimulate or we activate. We motivate. 
and we communicate. I don't know what prison you might be in this morning. I don't know where you are in your life. I don't know your present reality. You may be in a good place, or you might be in one of the hardest places you've ever been. But wherever you are, might I encourage you to learn to celebrate rather than complain? Wherever you are, what is it that the Lord has to do in your heart to turn your complaining into celebrating where you are declaring the goodness and the greatness of our God? What is it that the Lord has to shift in your heart where you will say, you know what, I'm going to declare what God has done. I'm going to declare who he is, and I'm going to focus on that. It's not that I'm ignoring my present reality, but I'm going to turn my focus and my face towards celebrating the Lord. If you are in a tough place, let me encourage you. Would you engage this rather than escape it? What do I mean by that? It was when Paul and Silas in this place engaged the presence of God that God began to manifest his presence. We want to escape. I'll, I'll tell you, if I were Paul and Silas and I'm doing this and my chains break, I'd be like, see ya. <laughs> I'm out of here. You can't go because if you go, I'm going to get in trouble. So I might as well take my life. Well, do you know Jesus as your Savior? Because you're going to go meet him right now. I'm out of here. I would have been gone. But they stayed there. And they engaged what God was doing. They recognized that God was at work. And they were like, we don't want to miss this. I've been set free. He's doing a work of freedom. Let me engage this right now. Celebrate rather than complain. Engage in an escape. And may I also encourage you to let God deliver you through it rather than wanting to be delivered from it. Let God deliver you through it. Isaiah 43, 2, God says this, when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Praise gives us the understanding that God is the God who delivers us through our situations. God is the God who takes us through and he walks through it with us. And he opens the way for us so that we can walk through. And sometimes we might have some bumps and bruises, but we get through unscathed because he has walked through it with us. Whatever your situation, whatever your prison is today, whatever you find yourself in, wherever you find yourself this morning, may I encourage you rather than trying to complain your way through, would you let the glory of the Lord arise? Would you sing a song of deliverance? Would you remind yourself that God is present with you? He wants to manifest his presence to you. He wants to take you through whatever it is that you're walking through. So let the glory of the Lord rise among us. Let the glory of the Lord rise among us. Let the praises of the King rise among us. Let it rise. Let the songs of the Lord, let the songs of the Lord rise among us. Let the songs of the Lord rise. Let the joy of the King, the joy of the King rise among us. Let it rise. Oh, 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 oh,
Let it ride. 